Hello, and welcome to the Market Bull Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kostrich. Please note, topics and stocks discussed in this podcast are not financial or investment advice. I hope you enjoy listening. Well, welcome to the Market Bull Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kostrich, and today I'm joined by David Bozio, uh, the current WA State Manager and Director of Corporate Finance at Shore & Partners. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, Ben. Thanks for having me. That's all right. It's uh, it's a good start to the year. I mean, it's nice and warm in, in Perth and everything, but it's straight back into the business world for a lot of them. What is your sort of first sort of, I guess, approach or, or insight into to the current market as we see it? Yeah, I think um, as with all these things, um, I think everyone uh, sort of limps through to the end of the year. And uh, I think with a little bit of deal fatigue and just market fatigue, uh, come, you know, a lot of people I, I, I've spoken to have come back with um, with a, a new lease of life in in 2023, and the markets have been quite good. It feels like there's a little bit of um, uh, positivity out there. It feels like a lot of people are starting to call um, the top of this interest rate push as well to see that perhaps that's peaked, and and um, now this whole inflationary environment is is potentially going to change. But um, we still have a lot of challenges ahead of us, I think, as investors, but uh, it does feel like uh, last year was a real grind. Um, it was it was hard work. It was it was hard work for a lot of investors as well. And um, and hopefully uh, a few opportunities do do present themselves. But uh, there's still certainly a lot of investor appetite out there. And I think uh, 2023 should be a very interesting one. Yeah, because I think a lot of people really appreciated the rest of about three, two to three weeks, see family and recompose after what was, yeah, just a horrific sort of year in markets and trying to figure out what the heck was going on. And yeah, the 2023 outlook, I mean, we can't really go past how well gold's been going. Um, I mean, we're sitting over 1900 now and it doesn't really look like it's slowing down. Why do you think there's so much strength in in gold in particular now? Yeah, it's, um, you know, just on that point of, of, of having a rest, you know, Markets, markets are people, and and um, it it does come down to um, the collective and, and and what people's sentiment and emotions are like. So they do respond to, um, I think, the way that that um, people are feeling, uh, people are behaving, um, and that does really drive markets. And I think um, to your point around gold, last year really was a a, a very you know strange year in a sense of. Um, we had enormous change with interest rates um, being ratcheted up very, very quickly, and we've seen global inflation at uh, extreme levels. Um, and for many gold bulls out there, um, we're kind of scratching our heads saying, well, isn't that exactly the market um, that that gold um, is meant to be um, protecting us from and, and, and potentially benefiting from? Um, but then you stop and, and kind of think, um, well, let's look at the, the overall picture. And, and gold was relatively flat last year overall. Um, but you've got things like, you know, if you look at those major um, technology companies like the, the multi-billion dollar gold company, uh, sorry, technology companies that, that rule the world, the, the Teslas, the Googles, the Amazons, um, Facebooks or Metas of the world, etc. cetera, um, that whole sector fell circa 40% last year. So we've seen enormous destruction of wealth and market capitalization in some sectors globally, yet um, the gold sector has arguably done its job in a sense that it's it's remained um, quite steady and quite consistent. 
Um, what we've seen really over the last few months, we've seen this underlying improvement in, in the gold price itself. Uh, and for the first time in a little while, that's really been reflected in many of the gold equities as well. So it feels like um, it, it is, it's certainly been a sector that has been extremely unloved, I'd say, for the last 12 to 18 months. And for a, a vast array of reasons, one being the fact that the gold equities themselves were heavily oversold, um, it, it looks to be a place where um, value has, has returned. Um, with a relatively small increase in the gold price, I think there's been a very, a relatively large shift in gold sentiment for the better. And we've seen um, some of the major companies, at least in the Australian market, um, companies such as um, your um, Evolutions, your Northern Stars, your um, Newcrest Mining, Regis Resources, etc. So some of the major gold players, uh, we've seen that their share prices increase by 50 to 100% in some instances. So there's been a relatively large improvement in those stocks. And I think that really going to the point around investor sentiment has been largely, I believe, due to a shift in uh, positive sentiment toward the gold sector. Yeah, because it is one of those things. There was that big sigh of relief, and everyone's come back with a bit more of a, a positive mindset towards markets. Not that everything is sort of peachy and, and clean and, and awesome at the moment, but it's definitely getting better. Because yeah, especially looking at some of those gold stocks, the big ones are doing well. But that leads me to my next point. Do you reckon that 2023 will be like an optimal market for those sorts of large tier gold stocks to sort of make some acquisitions and purchases of those small and mid tier gold producers? Yeah, well, so you're asking you're asking a um, a, a long-term gold bull um, such a leading question that uh, I'm going to have some fun with this one. But the, um, <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely my in my mind um, a really really interesting year ahead for for the gold market and for gold investors, um, particularly those that are invested in, in in gold equities. And and there's a few reasons for that. One is at today's price. And even last year's price, um, the established gold producers are actually still making significant margins. So their businesses are fundamentally sound. Um, they um, have a have a good business model. They have an ability to generate significant free cash flows in many instances, um, and that lends itself to um, creating some strong, well-capitalized gold producers. Now. There's a few there's a few challenges, and we've seen those um, really over the last call it twelve months. Um, we've had cost pressure, so um, for companies looking to um, operate, obviously the cost of labour, cost of uh, energy, diesel, etc., has been has been high, and that affects uh, margins again. So that's that's put some of these producers under pressure. But also, you know, mining is capital intensive, so to to have an operation takes a lot of money. To sustain an operation uh, takes more money, especially if you're tr trying to expand a project or, or develop new parts to a project. Um, there's more investment continually needed as well. And you're in, you're in this inflationary environment where um, you know growth costs money and is probably costing more money. So um, that, that's a challenging uh, environment to be in. And you know, we've seen that cost side really affect some of the companies and probably lead to some of the, um, call it downgrades or sell off in some of the equities. Um, but if we go back to that point around um, 
margins and companies still making good profit? Well, um, many companies have been um, quite, I think, um, uh, measured over the last year and a half. We haven't seen crazy uh, takeover activity. Um, and all the while, for many of these companies, they've slowly been able to increase their cash balance. Now, when you're a gold producer um, and you're going pretty well, um, one of the things that the market does look at is what does your forward production look like? And if you're consuming ounces, so if you are mining and you are using your ounces, um, that's reducing your reserves and your mineable um, resources. So as a gold analyst, um, you would look at that company and say, well, okay, what does the future production profile look like? And so one of the challenges for a larger gold company is to continually try and replace that production. And, and so you've got really two ways of doing that. One is um, by doing more work and whether that be exploration, um, you know, regional exploration or infill exploration to build more resources within your existing project and to therefore add mineable ounces. Or alternatively, you can um, acquire ounces. Now, that can be um, done many ways. One could be you know, by buying a project or buying a gold deposit off, off uh, a neighbour or a competitor and um, use transport. You're, 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 uh, if you're a producer and you've got um, a production mill or, or infrastructure, um, you can leverage um, those undeveloped deposits and bring them, you know, through your infrastructure and, and therefore, um, you know, just buy unmined ounces and, and produce them, which many companies have been doing. Um, but then in a stronger environment, those ounces become more expensive and, and people don't want to sell as easily and it becomes um, more competitive. So what we, we tend to see is, um, you know, there can be that M&A, um, I guess a boost in M&A activity where cashed up companies say, well, you know what, here's a great opportunity over here. Uh, there's a junior company that maybe needs more capital or um, hasn't been priced correctly in the market or has extremely, um, you know, they've made a fantastic discovery or they've got complementary assets or assets that, you know, can be developed with the right team. Um, these bigger companies will start to look around and say, right, we've got our own operations, our own backyards in order. Um, how do we appease the market's um, relentless drive for growth and future earnings and future production? Well, um, let's get bold and make some discoveries. So you do see some of the larger companies go through periods where they're very, very aggressive um, when it comes to M&A. And I'm hoping uh, personally that uh, we'll see a bit of that this year. And I think um, as, as the cycle sort of matures, I still think we're in a relatively early stage of the cycle, but as it does mature, you find that some of the deals get bigger and some of the valuations get uh, more and more uh, stretched as well. So it should be interesting times. I think it's something that could really lift the whole junior end of the market, um, not only in gold, but in some of the other sectors as well. Yeah, because I think the main one that I could remember that what happened a few years ago was the the Northern Star Saracen merger. And I think that was one of the last, again, I'm, I'm not overly into all the gold, but that was one of the last ones I remember hearing. And now you sort of start, I think, to see Northern Stars really accelerate as one of the top 10 in the world. Um, and I can just imagine them. And yeah, you said um, Newcrest and Evolution, they'd be sitting on a fair bit of cash looking at some of these smaller caps markets or, or companies that are, yeah, have got that sort of 
tightening of the of the belt uh, as these interest rates have gone up and, and cash is a bit harder and people might not be so willing to throw in a bit of money for a capital raise. It becomes a perfect opportunity to come in and be that sort of guiding hand and, and take the sort of um, pain away from them in a way. But yeah, it, 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 as you said, it's for all that future um, demand that they need to meet. Um, and that's another interesting thing with gold doing so well. Do you see anything that could keep a lid on the price in, in the sort of short to, to long term? Oh, absolutely. I think we still, although, um, you know, in, in our game, what we do, we, we tend to be optimistic and we tend to be, uh, you know, bullish. You have to be, otherwise... Rightfully so. You know, it's, uh, it's the wrong career to be in. But, um, you know, it's very easy to see um, some negativity in, in the overall market as well, which can really affect uh, all equities and, and all sectors. And we saw that um, there's usually shake-ups, uh, things like COVID, which come out of left field, really shook the market, but then they create their own opportunities. But, you know, my, my, the biggest risk, well, the biggest challenge that we've had as gold investors, I believe, over the last couple of years has been from within. And, um, you know, crypto, for example, um, and crypto assets and call it digital assets, etc., cetera, um, had such a fantastic um, run and um, not a sector that I'm, you know, terribly familiar with, nor have I had, um, you know, I really got involved in it as an investor in any, in any um, um, significant way. But um, it kind of bugged me a little bit when I'm hearing a lot of people talking about crypto and the benefits of buying into those digital assets, really using the same um, investment rationale as what a gold investor or what, you know, we, we'd always talk about in the gold environment. And that's you know things like having a you know a, a, an actual a real asset behind um, uh, the the instrument you know around the price. There's a, it's asset backed. Uh, it can't be replicated. There's only so much really going around in existence. Um, things like uh, hedges around you know uh, hedges around uh, rates around geopolitical risk etc. So it's just strange that. Um, you know those that that market really grew on the back of some of those themes, and uh, I believe it took a lot of the money probably that would often go into a gold company, especially from I guess the young, younger demographic of investor. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it really took a lot of uh, money out of out of gold, and I think into those digital assets. Um, uh, but you know, with that said. Um, I think you always need to have one eye on the geopolitical situation at the moment. Obviously, with with what's happening in in Russia and the Ukraine, um, that is again it demonstrates um, the world that we're in. You know, we've got uh, China um, doing what they're doing uh, in uh, around in and around you know Taiwan. I think there's um, those sorts of shakeups themselves out um, I think you know they do weigh on investors and and what I've learned over my career is they actually can take a lot of time just to work work themselves out so we could wake up one day and all of a sudden there's a complete you know ceasefire or they've, they've, they've gone into peace talks um, and the markets may find that extremely positive or, or whatever it may be but you know those, those sorts of event driven um, you know, catalysts for the market um, are very hard to 
hard to um, uh, plan for. Um, it's just how you deal with them when they do happen. But I think that's probably th those to me that are the bigger challenges for for the markets. I think um, it's competition for other asset classes and and gold, as I mentioned with crypto, that was a competition for uh, call it investor resources. But you know, look at battery metals. So look at look at lithium players and the rare earth players. They've had such an outstanding couple of years as well that any I wouldn't say just a speculative investor, but many longer-term investors as well. Um, if you said, do you want to be in the battery metal thematic versus the old boring gold thematic, uh, you know, nine out of ten would say, um, I want to be where the action is. And that's that's been, um, you know, something that I think has held gold back as well. So, um, and those risks are still real. I think there's always competition for, um, especially the speculative dollar going into uh, commodity markets. Yeah, and I'm so glad you mentioned that thing about crypto there, because even we, uh, myself and, and my mother, had had many conversations about, oh, like like gold last year, everyone was getting into crypto. Well, like, I wonder if if crypto is now that new safe haven that everyone thinks about, and I think the events, everyone's familiar with FTX, all that has really pretty much put a bit of cast of doubt over that whole industry and been like, you know, if this can happen, it, it, the whole industry has now got a question mark over it, and I'm sure that they'll figure out ways to sort of make it so that doesn't happen again but i sort of it probably will um but it's gold... really hard. sorry ben just yeah just on that it's i'll just make a, a very brief comment which you know it's very it's very hard with um for, for investors to understand uh, some of these things like some of those digital assets are very complicated um many of them have a lot of leverage associated with them as well and um it's it's the same as investing in heavily complex derivative um, instruments on the ASX or on, um, you know, the NASDAQ or, or any any exchange, any real exchange, um, there are some instruments that are, you know, can be very, very dangerous and you can lose all your money. And I think um, because crypto and, and that digital space just had such an enormous uh, inflow of investors and money, it's like the money just went into everything. And I think what we're seeing is just a maturing of that um, of that market, um, which is happens in every in every market, and it always has through history. There are going to be some, you know, as we, as we've seen some um, some great scandals probably um, um, as a result of it. But there'll be a, I would have thought a handful um, of extremely meaningful um, opportunities that do come out and and maybe. Um, you know, it, it'll find its place, and and I often compare it to um, the tech boom, um, which which ended in uh, in 2000. You know, and uh, uh, you know at the at the turn of the century, there was an enormous uh, tech boom in the late 90s, um, which saw many uh, billionaires made um, and many companies. As long as you had .dot com in your name, um, you you could could raise hundreds of millions of dollars and, and, and have enormous valuations. Now, most of those companies don't exist today, but, you know, from from that whole period, we had the likes of you know, Google and Amazon as a couple of examples that, that um, are some of the biggest companies in the world today that um, that kind of emerged from that period. So I think we're, gonna, we're just going to see a lot more volatility in that digital asset space. And, um, yeah, but I don't, I don't think it's uh, completely over just yet. But sadly for me, I'm... Uh, I feel like I'm a bit too old-fashioned and traditional. I like to stick to uh, 
um, some of those markets that, that have been, I guess, good to me over the years. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing is with crypto, some of those emphatic, you know, returns got everyone so excited and even you saw some big institutional investors started creating pockets of their portfolios dedicated to crypto just because the the insane returns you get. And yeah, I'll, I'll be the same to admit, I don't really know too much about the crypto market, but for some that did their research and, and think that they know it, I mean, it's just goes back to that old adage that yeah markets have the ups and downs and yeah there's again a lot of people that got burnt in that crypto um fallback in in 2020 and probably leading into to this year um so yeah. you're a massive gold bull where else do you sort of enjoy your sort of focusing your attention in the markets well i'm i'm uh like like you ben i'm i'm in western australia so it's very very hard to escape the the lure mining. of the of the mining and resources industry and and um you know, having having had, um, you know, I've, I've been in the markets now for, or as an advisor, as an advisor when I started in, uh, you know, again, the return of the century. So it's well and truly over 20 years now. And um, it's very hard to get away from, from that space. And if you, if, if you, um, if you invest in the juniors, I find that there's a, a natural uh, pull toward sectors that are um, either topical or in, in favour because uh, you'll, you'll find that, um, whether or not they're the stocks that people talk about and um, people want to invest in, you get drawn into that. So over the years, I've, I've invested in um, many base metal style projects. There was a period where there were, there were, you know, the iron ore, you know, juniors were very much alive and well. And, um, you know, there aren't too many juniors that exist anymore in that sector. It's been, um, you know, it, it is difficult to develop those projects as a junior. And um, the projects that stood out have either been, um, sold or, or you know or, or taken over essentially by uh, by larger companies. There's been a lot of consolidation, but you know, in that period we've seen you know Fortescue from 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 nothing turn into um, you know one of one of Australia's biggest companies, biggest taxpayers, biggest employers. It's it's phenomenal. And and um, again, being in Western Australia, whether it be um, um, you know, iron ore, gold, um, you know, and lithium now is having such a such a significant um, you know, rebirth essentially. Um, you know, it's it's hard to really move away from that. So I do like them all, and and uh, as I as I've probably changed as an investor, I've um, I try and be less selective around. I'll, I won't just pick. Um, I'll, I won't just be an investor in say gold stocks, but I'll try and um, have larger positions in in stocks that I really support management and. Um, can give more time to. So that's probably how I've changed as an investor. And so, instead of trying to be, you know, on everything that's moving, I'll try and uh, pick, a, pick a few companies, irrespective of the sector, um, that that I can sort of get comfort around sitting in a position for as long as possible. Because that's one thing I have learnt is that, um, you know, really to, to, um, to do well, you have to give these investments time as well. Um, when you When you're short term um, you know you make the job of making money um, a lot harder you know you've got a smaller window um, where you where you know to, to, to let the money work for you um, and the biggest issue is when you are right um, you often cut your winners too short and um, the whole game's about letting the winners go and getting rid of the losses you know and it's a hard lesson to learn so 
Yeah, it is. And and that's one of the things I think a lot of people, including myself, have learned is, yeah, you might only get two or three winners, but let them ride. But yeah, cut your losses. Uh, and that's sort of taking away that emotional connection to to the money or even the stock, for example. Um, and I had a discussion um, the other day about sort of, yeah, the machine learning and AI coming into it, if that's going to play a big role in sort of saying, yeah, I, I like this sort of industry, I want to invest in it, but a machine learning or, or an automated algorithm can do it for me so then I don't have to worry about the stress and the emotional connectivity towards a stock, which is where I think 2023 is going to be very interesting because that's where I see a big opportunity, maybe not as much in Perth because it's all mining, but especially in, in other parts of Australia and around the world, I'm I'm quite interested, especially with the chat GPT, which, yeah, that just blows my mind and <laughs> the next uh, versions will. But I know this might be a tough thing and because you're in the industry, I really want to know your thoughts on the push for ESG these days and what sort of implications that's having on sort of finding stocks and and I guess the, the pros and cons for it because especially in mining, it doesn't, it's not really faithful or sorry, I shouldn't say faithful, but not very helpful for, for miners um, with that sort of uh, now being an investor sort of crucial part i should say yeah yeah it's a tough it's a tough question and i think there's there's two answers i think i think firstly as a as a human being as a, as a member of society do i think esg is important and I, the answer is absolutely i think um you know really trying to i don't like to use the word mandate but to um to challenge companies to um, be best of breed or to really take um, the various parts of, um, I guess, the ESG discussion seriously and make it part of uh, their strategy and, and their vision for their companies, I think, is, is really important. It's the only way to um, really um, create change. Um, as an investor, um, uh, yeah, a uh, jury's out for me because, um, you know, if you look at coal, um, and which is an obvious example. Yeah. It's, a, it's a dirty word. It's a you know fossil fuel, um, a lot of pressure, uh, you know, against the coal players. Now, um, you know, I know of many funds, and this is you know this is a global phenomenon. You know, where you know funds will just say, right, we are not investing in that asset class or those companies because of um, what they do. Now, again, if we use the coal example. Look at the coal stocks last year. Probably, Best performing. You know, and, and so it's it's really hard. And what, what does that tell me? I think we're still, we've still got a long way to go um, in terms of, of getting it right. Um, there was a comment, um, and I think it was the, um, the Rio CEO um, who came out publicly last week. And, um, and uh, yeah, I hope I've got that one right. But it was at the, at the, um, the Davis Forum where... Um, Basically saying this whole, you know, push around, um, I'll call it electrification, but you know, cleaner, more sustainable, um, you know, uh, world that we live in uh, is going to take a lot longer than what people think. And, and I do feel that um, that's probably, um, you know, if, if you're saying aspirationally, would we like all these things to happen immediately? Yes. Would it make the world a better place? Possibly, but um, we still have a long way to go um, if we're going to be realistic. Um, and so it is really challenging for companies because there is that um, almost, you know, there is a requirement to yeah. demonstrate to, um, especially institutional investors, 
um, that you're doing all these things. But, you know, in practice, um, if you're getting penalised, it means, you know, if, for example, go back to the coal, um, the, the coal example. Uh, if you're a company that requires capital, um, it's it can be very difficult. You know, if you if you if you're not meeting the market market's expectations on ESG, it means that your ability to actually survive, to raise capital, uh, to develop your projects, um, or conduct your business, and therefore to you know make profits and 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 reward your shareholders is severely impacted. And um, you know what does that mean? Um, I, I'm not sure. Sometimes it means uh, um, shareholders may be the only ones that 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 miss out. Um, it may be private equity that ends up owning all of these assets, and because they don't really have to report to people publicly. So um, it, it is a changing landscape, and it's one we have to, I think, just be a little bit wary of. But it's real. Um, it's certainly real. Yeah, I think it is that reality check, uh, and I keep talking about it. Yeah, EVs really they're they're coming, but it's not going to happen overnight. And realistically, you need to do mining, you need to get all these things out of the environment, you need coal to create the the sort of equipment to make the electric batteries. It's not something that you can just switch on and off like a light at the moment. You know, uh, it's going to take yeah. a fair bit of time, and that really really high demand is not going to be met very very quickly it's going to take an extended period of time and it's sort of that you know you're weighing the the scales of of yeah right and wrong and, and it's it's all those sorts of there's ethical questions but the reality is is you need those sorts of resources to to get to that sort of future future landscape and who knows i mean there's probably going to be some other sort of renewable sort of technology or something i mean i keep arcing on about uranium for example and that's sort of again a touchy subject but if you really want to go for sustainable power in that potential ring that's a very very useful alternative as well but you don't want to use that word because that also gets people in a bit of a bother so yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting 2023. So I thank you so much for coming on the show, David. That's been really interesting, especially all the gold stuff. And it'll be great to, to touch base in the future and see where gold is sitting because, yeah, you look at it on that long-term sort of graph, it, it's interesting to see where the points are and it drops and it picks up. But, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show, David. It's been a pleasure. No, my pleasure, Ben. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Market Bull Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can follow The Market Bull on our socials at Twitter and LinkedIn by searching The Market Bull. You can also subscribe to our newsletter on the website by visiting www.themarketbull.com.au.